It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Knicks looking at Tom Thibodeau and having it his job to lose, how that impacts the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're going to talk about the way that the NBA is leaning right now in terms of restarting the season and your owner, Clay Bennett puts out his first stance ever as an owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder that I can remember. All that and more coming up on Locked on Thunder. This show is powered by Rock Auto. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you to rockauto.com for all the parts your car will ever need. So let's dive into the general NBA news so far. As it stands right now, the NBA is leaning towards the 22-team plan. And again, to reiterate from yesterday, what this means is five to six regular season games. It's a play-in tournament after that. And from there, you go to the playoffs. You go to the normal playoffs. So this makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, This plan does. I I don't really like the group stage. I think that it has too many outside factors in terms of crowning a true champion. Now listen, in terms of selfishly as a a basketball fan uh, and as a content creator, as a media member, I love it because... As a media member, this is why you're seeing the media push this. It it, it creates attention. It creates buzz. It creates excitement. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, the Lockdown Thunder podcast right now, in the midst of all that's happening in the world right now, number one, I appreciate you. I hope I can provide something for you, whether it's basketball insight, an escape, a laugh, whatever. Number two... They've got you. The NBA's got you. You'll, you'll watch whatever whatever they put out there you're going to watch. However, a group format really capitalizes on the fringe fans, the, the casual fans, the fans that can really take or leave basketball, that might tune in once we get to the second round, the conference finals, and the, and the championship. They might tune in then. Uh, this kind of helps those fans get into it in the first round because, look, the Thunder go from playing Utah or Miami to playing Boston to playing Toronto, two of the best teams in basketball, to playing Dallas, who has Luka and KP. It's a big deal. That's a big difference between playing them and Utah. Casual fans can name and, and, and attach themselves to more players from Toronto, Boston, and Dallas than they can Utah. It's just that simple. It creates more eyeballs. It creates more excitement. It creates more energy. The biggest thing, though, for the big picture NBA media members is it creates more upsets. It leads itself to upsets. Now, look, the Raptors have been a great team all year long. And they don't get talked about enough. But are they waltzing through Boston? Are they waltzing through Oklahoma City? Are they waltzing through... Dallas, the same way that they would waltz through Orlando or Brooklyn? I, I don't think so. Now, I would still pick them to be one of the top two seeds out of this out of this whole deal. Because, again, 
in the group stage. You play everybody, the top two records move on. I would still predict Toronto to be the top two record, one of the top two, but it's not as certain as it would be if they got to play a seven-game series against Brooklyn. Same with Boston, same with Oklahoma City, same with Dallas. For Dallas, you look at this from Luka's standpoint, if you're the NBA, you want to capitalize on that overseas market. You want to capitalize on what Luka can bring to the game. You you move him from playing the Clippers to needing to be the second-best team in a group that has the Spurs, the Thunder, the Raptors, and the Celtics. You need to be the second-best team of all that. And Dallas has had a lot of clutch time issues, and we can dive into the flaws with Dallas all we want to. But that's a that's a easier task. That's an easier task for Luca and the and company to pull off than beating the Clippers. Whereas with the Thunder, it's a harder task to do that than beating Utah. So, again, selfishly, the media is pushing this group thing, this group stage, because it helps controversy. It helps ratings, it helps excitement, it helps upsets, it helps attention on the game. Selfishly, for me, as the Thunder host, as a Thunder media member, as a, as a, as a person covering the Thunder, for me, I'd rather them just do it straight up and play Utah and the Thunder move on, and here we go, away we go, the Thunder in the second round. That's what I would want. So we all look at this stuff selfishly. We all look at it selfishly. Are you more apt to listen to a Thunder podcast when the Thunder are in the playoffs and the Thunder are winning in the playoffs? Yes, you are. That helps me out a ton. So, uh, selfishly, I want the easiest path for Oklahoma City. Big picture-wise, the group stage creates the most possible buzz and attention to the NBA as possible. But right now, again, to, to reset, the NBA is leaning towards, as it sits right now, a 22-team plan. And I've said all along, the vote's going to happen on Thursday. I expect us to you know, as fans to know the outcome of that vote on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, maybe at the earliest, but Wednesday night, I expect us to know, Hey, it hasn't happened yet, but the growing consensus is the NBA is going to do blank. However, on yesterday's show, I said the 30 team option is off the table. I said the 30 team option is there, but it's on the very, very, very edge of the table. The 30 team option is the yams at Thanksgiving. No one touches them. They just sit there. That's it. They're on the table. You're not paying attention to them. You're not looking at them. That's what the 30-team option is. And I said as much yesterday. Yesterday I said as much. But today, you know, Monday evening, Monday afternoon, we got reports that small market owners, such as yours truly, Clay Bennett, has been pushing for this 30-team return. And... While it does not impact Clay Bennett this year, because the Thunder, in any scenario, whatever they do, they're not taking the Thunder out of contention. They're not taking the Thunder out of the postseason. They're not costing the Thunder anything this year. But Clay Bennett wants every team to return. Let's play to 72 games, and then we'll just do the playoffs. And there's a lot of reasons why that will happen, uh, why he's going to be on that side, I should say. There's a lot of reasons why he shouldn't be on that side, uh, and we'll talk all about that after the break. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Rock Auto, because Rock Auto is just an amazing, amazing company. Right now, you do not want to go into a chain auto parts store. There's the coronavirus. You just do not want to be around people. You don't want to have to put on your mask just to go into an auto parts store. Listen, just stay home. 
Rock Auto is that good. You can just stay home. Because even if you went to that auto parts store, with the increasing numbers of makes and models and this and that and the third of different cars, it's going to be impossible for them to be stocked up on all the parts you need in the traditional chain stores. So why even go into that pointless venture and have them immediately start questioning your car and, and asking you questions you have no idea what they're even talking about. You don't know what this means. You have no idea about cars. You don't know how to change your own oil. You just know that your car needs a new battery, but you have no idea what to happen. And then, yes, I'm talking from self-experience here. Uh, but why even put yourself through that whenever all they're going to do is say, look, we don't have it in stock. We're going to have to order it online. You can take the initiative. You can order online and you can save you money. Why wouldn't you do that? Repairing your car and maintaining your car helps save you money, but so does ordering from Rock Auto because you would spend 30, 50, or even 100% less by just going to rockauto.com and ordering the parts that you need rather than going to a chain, uh, a chain store or a dealership and things like that. Rock Auto, I cannot recommend them enough. They're a family-owned business that serves auto part customers online for 20 years. Look, some of you listening to this podcast right now didn't even know that the internet existed 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you had dial-up and couldn't work it. And yet Rock Auto was selling you car parts 20 years ago. It's amazing to think about that. That's how long they've been doing this at rockauto.com. So head on over there right now. They have auto parts and body parts for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers. Go over there right now, rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and they will set you up. An amazing selection for reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So this report comes from, of course, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe. And they reported that Clay Bennett, quote, delivered an impassioned soliloquy on why the league and team owners need to consider the financial and competitive implications of how a season restart will affect small market teams. So he really wants and wonders if there's a safe way to bring back all 30 teams. The most likely plan is, of course, the 22-team plan, but he's really reaching out and considering, again, to reiterate, the competitive balance, the financial implications for small market teams here. And I think it's interesting. I really do. Um, this is... Good on him to remain strong with his fellow small market owners. Again, he's not going to be attacked by this. He's not going to be affected by this. The Thunder are good. Literally and figuratively, they're good. They're in the playoffs. They're firmly in the playoffs. They're going to get those extra five to six games for their TV deal. They're going to get the playoff games for the revenue sharing. 
But this could easily have been impacting the Thunder. This could easily be impacting their bottom line. Had they traded off pieces like some people thought, had they tanked like some people thought. It can easily be Clay Bennett's team next time. But I do wonder what he means by this. The financial and competitive implications. Let's think about this ourselves. As if we are other owners, if we are the NBA. Couldn't you venture to say that this actually helps small market teams? And I know it's crazy. I know that you're just trained you know, mentally by everyone in the world to think that these small market teams are not, you know, at an advantage at any point in their entire existence. But in this case, I think they are. Let's take the Bucks for example. You've seen Miami. You've seen Golden State. You've seen Toronto. All making reports and rumors, and even in Miami's case, planning their salary cap around Giannis. Again, Miami had a deal done for Gallo. But they were, they were hesitant to give him the money he wanted because it would cloud their ability to get Giannis Antetokounmpo. They've been planning for this years in advance. They've been planning for 2021 free agency years in advance. You can go read about that. And especially, again, just in an Oklahoma City perspective, they didn't get Gallo, who could immediately help their team because, hey, next year, let's just wait and get Giannis and and be in the best position possible to try to get him, to try to attract him, and they still might fail. Now listen, how this impacts and helps small market teams is, if we expect the salary cap to go down, if we expect the cap to change, the revenue to change, everything to trend downward, then the Bucks still have Giannis' bird rights. They still have the ability to offer him more money than any other team can, So with big market teams losing money in this and and losing uh, cap, if the cap goes down and their plans setting up, you know, for Giannis gets spoiled, if he's really about money, if it's really about money, he'll be in Milwaukee still. Because that's now going to be the place that can give him the most money. And it doesn't seem like, again, just as someone, you know, 10,000 feet out of this, as someone who doesn't see the books and see exactly the cap, uh, but... It doesn't seem like, given what we've heard from about the China thing, about the coronavirus thing, and the no fans thing next year, for at least some of the year, it seems like, it doesn't feel as if the cap will be anywhere competitive to, to be able to offer Giannis a good deal if you're Miami, an even competitive deal if you're Miami to his Bucks deal. So if it's about money, he would return to, to Milwaukee. And the NBA isn't exactly set up the same way that baseball is. In baseball, the Marlins who generate no income, who generate no revenue, who get no fans in the stands, who get hardly anyone watching on TV, they get like $77 million of that revenue sharing because they're a terrible team and that the other owners need to pay them to keep them surviving. That doesn't really happen in the NBA that much. I mean, to that that extreme, uh, again, I I get this from, from Clay Bennett. You need to stick up for your fellow small market owners because, again, this could... It doesn't impact you now, but it could impact you in the future if you're Clay Bennett. Uh, but given the hurdles that it seems like it will take to get 30 teams there and what's going to happen uh, and, and, and the variables of 30 teams returning there and just creating higher risks just because you simply mathematically have more people, it does not seem logical. It does not seem reasonable 
to get all 30 teams, teams there. However, if you are Clay Bennett, you still need to take this stance publicly because you now have power because you are a small market team who is in. So you're not doing this selfishly. It does not, it does not feel the same way it felt when, let's say, Damian Lillard was on the outside of the playoffs just by a hair, and he's saying, well, you know what? I'll go to Disney World, but I'll sit on the bench. I won't play if we're not going to be in the playoffs. It felt That felt like Damian Lillard was, was putting his position, putting his star power on the line to leverage the NBA, to strong-arm the NBA into the, the play-in tournament that the NBA was already going to do. They were, they were never going to not have Portland in the mix and have a, have, have a legit shot at Portland being in the playoffs. They were never going to do that. So why he made that stance was kind of odd. It was just a selfish... Uh, selfishly motivated stance, which I've talked about. We're all selfish in what we want with the NBA. But this this holds more credence from Clay Bennett because it's clearly not selfish in this instance. If it was selfish, Clay Bennett would just say, hey, let's do 22 teams. That helps me. That helps the Thunder move on. Let's just do that. I'm in the playoffs. I'm going to get the money. We're going to be fine in Oklahoma City. Let's move on. We're fine in Oklahoma City because the Thunder are in the playoffs. But he's looking out for the other small market teams that are outside the playoffs, and that's good on him because hopefully you'd expect the owners to do the same for him if the Thunder ever find themselves in this position. Hopefully we don't we don't ever get to this point again in the NBA. Uh, but the stance makes sense. The 30 team still doesn't, but there's there's a little bit, a little blip on the radar, I would say, that there's a possibility that now 30 teams is a little bit more likely. Let's say, let's say it's scooched off the edge of the table and it's gone like... It's gone like 90 degrees forward. Does that make sense at all? Is, is that how you measure stuff? Degrees, 90 degrees forward? I don't know. It's been pushed up the table a little bit. It's still the least likely option. It's still not going to happen. But Clay Bennett did need to say this because he's a small market owner. He needs to protect the small market teams. So after the break, we're going to talk more about the Knicks. And it's going to be Oklahoma City related, although it starts with the next conversation. But first, I need to say about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a com- is a complete protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is fantastic. I cannot explain to you how good Built Bar is. Built Bar has a chocolate coating on the outside that makes every flavor just delicious, and it goes down smooth. There's no chalky aftertaste. 110 calories low in sugar, low in carb, you're going to get exactly what you want with Built Bar. Personally, my favorite flavors are anything that says, that says peanut butter in it because that peanut butter mixed with that chocolate coating is just amazing. But also, I love the banana nut bread. If you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Built Bar is incredible. Cannot thank them enough for what they've done for the show and what they continue to do because you can use them pre and post workout. You can use them as a meal replacement. They are amazing. If you're looking to get your protein in for low car for low calories, low carb, low sugar, and, and try to lose some weight. They're, they're fantastic. They are. I, I cannot recommend them enough. Again, billboard.com promo code locked on, get $10 off that first order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the New York Knicks are thinking about signing Tom Thibodeau. 
and reports come out today that it seems like it's Tom Thibodeau's job to lose. First of all, can we just laugh at the Knicks? I know it's kind of redundant because you always laugh whenever you say the word Knicks because they're just a terrible franchise. They're terribly ran. They're an awful team. No offense to locked on Knicks, but they're awful, and they know that they're awful, and Tom Thibodeau's awful. I mean, how many times are we going to hire Tom Thibodeau in the NBA? When will the NBA learn he's not a good coach? How many times will he say, oh, I've learned my lesson. I promise I've learned my lesson. I, 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 I have changed my ways. I've studied the game. I'm ready to change. And then he gets in the, in the new system. He's the same Tom Thibodeau. He's, a, he's the exact same guy. Exact same guy. That's what's going to happen for the Knicks. Here's how that ties into the Thunder, though. You don't hire Tom Thibodeau to grow a team. He's an awful, awful coach in terms of player development. You hire Tom Thibodeau to win basketball games. You hire Tom Thibodeau to try to get you on the right track to competing. And I don't mean for championships. It's the Knicks. You're going to try to compete for that 8-7-6 seed in the East, which you can easily do in the East. You can easily do that with Tom Thibodeau. But you need Chris Paul. You need a veteran like Chris Paul to get you there. So, again, the Knicks would be clearly making this move to try to get a playoff team around Tom Thibodeau this year, this upcoming year. So that increases Chris Paul's trade value because he's a guy that can get you there. So what is his value exactly? Well, let's just assume that R.J. Barrett is off the table because he is. Folks, I don't care what you think about Chris Paul, how good he was this year. He was very good. They're not giving R.J. Barrett for Chris Paul. They're not giving... Mitchell Robinson for Chris Paul. And I know Keith Smith last week on the, on the show on Wednesday, go back and listen to that at the end. He says that Chris Paul's trade value is, is high. Teams are going to be willing to happily give up assets for him. Assets are one thing. RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson are another. Get them out of your head right now. I don't see that happening. However, that 2020 first round pick. And I know what you're thinking. It sounds crazy. Well, so does RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, by the way. Some of you don't have a problem with that, but it's, it's pretty crazy. However, let's just look at this first-round pick this year. Yes, it'll be high. It'll be in the lottery. It could even be a, a top-10 pick. It, it will be a top-10 pick. It could even be like a top-5 pick if the lottery falls, you know, the right way. But the next few drafts, 2021, 2022, 2023, are loaded there's a ton of talent. A ton of talent coming up. This draft is widely considered as a weak draft, as a draft that doesn't have many players in here uh, on this, in this class that can really change a franchise. LaMelo Ball is my favorite prospect in this draft. He's, I think, the best prospect in this draft. Can he single-handedly alter a franchise? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to you know, change the culture and, and, and be the sole purpose of winning. I think that he will be a big piece of winning, but not the sole purpose, not the get on my back, let's just carry this franchise to the mountaintop type of guy. Great player. Going to be a great player in the NBA. His, his skills translate to the NBA perfectly. But again, he can't do it alone. And there's no guy here that can really do it alone. Is there a guy that can be the number one option? I think LaMelo Ball is the closest one to that. That can be the number one option on, the, on a contending team. Uh, so, really, 
you look at this class and it's it's very top heavy. You know, the t- you can you can argue Anthony Edwards, you can argue a few guys up there. Uh, we'll talk all about this draft coming up because I love the draft. I've been covering the draft. It's I think that this draft gets a bad rap because there's no Zion, because there's no Luca, because there's no Jaw. But this draft has a ton of quality, quality, quality NBA players. There's a ton of good NBA players that will be contributors on winning teams for years to come. So I cannot wait to break down all these prospects. And Chad Fort's done a great job already uh, on his big board show on Lockdown Podcast Network, so go check that out as well. Uh, but back to the Knicks, this, this pick is going to be high. But not all picks are created equally. Do you really want to trade for Chris Paul? And do so using a future first-round pick. And then have the Chris Paul experience not go the exact way you want it to, and now you owe that pick in a very deep class, in a very, very good class up in 2021, 2022, 2023, and you're out your pick. It's, it's an Oklahoma City instead. Do you really want that to happen? Or would you rather just take Chris Paul and give them this year's pick? Because it's clear that you're going to need some asset to get Chris Paul. And I'm sorry, folks. I love him too. Dennis Smith Jr. is not an asset. He's just not. I love Dennis Smith Jr. Jr. as a person. Even as a player, I like him. I think he could do some good things in Oklahoma City. But he's not a true asset. Kevin Knox is not a true asset. Those two guys are flyers. They're not assets. Your assets in New York are Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett, and that's too, that's too high of a price to pay for Chris Paul. Too high. But a first-round pick, even though it's in the lottery, in a weak draft, not too bad. Not too bad. I think that that's a legitimate option. And it, again, it sounds crazy whenever you just say it out loud, but I think that that's a legitimate option. Right now, the Knicks pick is slotted for sixth. Let's just do one quick sim on the Tankathon lottery simulation, and it falls to seventh. So there you go. Uh, so will he go to the Knicks, Chris Paul? I'm not sure. Uh, again, there's several teams, according to Keith, to Keith Smith, who would love to give up assets for Chris Paul. I think that his trade value is, is higher than most people think nationally. Uh, locally, maybe we're kind of overrating him a little bit if you think that we're going to get R.J. Barrett for him. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the deal with Chris Paul. The Knicks, the Knicks hiring Tom Thibodeau, that will increase his trade value. Because you do not hire Thibodeau. You do not hire him just to lose, just to build a team, just to rebuild. He's not a rebuild kind of guy. Scott Brooks is a rebuild kind of guy. Dom Thibodeau, not so much. So let me know what you guys think about Chris Paul's trade value and what it would take for the Knicks to give up to get him. Would it take Knox, Smith, in the future first? Would it take only this year's first-round pick? You know, and of course, matching salaries, obviously. What do you guys think his trade value is just for the Knicks and just in general within the NBA? At Rylan underscore Styles on Twitter, at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. You can find it over there and email all of your thoughts, all of your opinions, all of your takes to that place. And on Twitter, I'll get to all of them. I'll even address them on the show if you send them in. Uh, And the last bit of news before we get out of here is Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, who called Oklahoma City a sinking ship, Whenever he was traded, and now look at look, look at Oklahoma City now. Look at the Thunder now. How about that? <laughs> but I, I don't think he really meant anything, any ill will towards it. But he has declined, or he's set to decline. He hasn't obviously officially declined it, but according to the NBA RealGM.com, that site, he is declining the nine million dollar option from Denver. 
interesting to me. I didn't think that we'd see a lot of players decline their option, especially considering we talked about the cap going down. We talked about the NBA losing money. Losing $9 million for a guy that hasn't had quite the season he wanted to in Denver because the pieces just do not fit there. There's there's almost too many good players in Denver. Uh, there's too many good players in Denver to really make an impact there for Jeremy Grant. He's still a great player. He's still, I would love to have him in Oklahoma City. I would love to bring him back to Oklahoma City, have him run the four. I feel comfortable with Baisley at the three. I would even love Jeremy Grant at the small ball five. Uh, so Grant will get his money. Will it be $9 million though? I think that's going to be right around there. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he just does not want to be in Denver anymore because again, with Michael Porter Jr. coming on strong uh, and the amount of pieces that go into that Denver rotation, maybe he would feel more comfortable elsewhere. But it seems like he will decline that $9 million option according to realgm.com. They have all that all those reports today. So that's the last bit of Thunder news because he is a former Thunder player. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Thunder. Again, yesterday we talked about all the plans that were possible still, that were being reported still for the NBA return. Friday you can expect part two of my conversation with John Hamm on the Thunder Book of Basketball. Part two of the Golden Era. Part one is out now. And also the Thunder View Era with Andrew Schlecht is out now. So you can go back and listen to all those shows along with that Keith Smith podcast where he talks all about the Disney World plan and Chris Paul's trade value. There's a lot of homework for you to do if you have not already listened to those shows. The support has been great. I appreciate the support so far. It's going to get even better, this show will, once we get basketball back. So again, stay with us here on Locked on Thunder. Subscribe to the show. Review the show wherever you get your podcast. If you leave a question, if you leave a question in the iTunes review, five stars, I will answer that on the show. I will answer any question in the iTunes review on the show for you. Be good and be good to another. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Thunder, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Go check out Lockdown NBA right now. Download the Amazon Music app today.